We went through a lot last week talking about our inheritance. I want to review pretty extensively tonight because you've got to get this. A revelation that there is an inheritance for you has to go off in your spirit so that you see it. This is not something that you earn or deserve. It's yours. It was given to you in the redemptive work of Christ. It's amazing what it is. So let's get into it. Let's, let's look at this. And if you're taking notes, hang on, right? Well, as we look at salvation and we defined it last week, the very word salvation, that's part of your inheritance. It includes wholeness. It includes peace, prosperity. It includes healing, divine health. All these things have already been provided for you. Isn't that good news? He is Jehovah Jireh. That's one of his redemptive names. That, that literally means he is the God who sees and goes before you and provides. Psalm 23 really gives us a picture. It says the Lord is my shepherd. Because he's my shepherd, I will not lack. I shall not want. That means I won't lack, I won't decrease, and I won't diminish. It goes on to say, he says he anoints my head with oil so that my cup runs over. Our cup's not to be full, it's to be running over. And then he says this, he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Everything that you need has already been provided for you. Everything. It's all yours right now. But you and I, we must lay hold and take possession of what God has given to us by his grace. We take possession of it through faith, which comes only one way. It comes by hearing the word of God, right? Everything, in other words, that you need, you've already been given it. You own it. Do you know everything that you need is within you? For a Christian, your future's not in front of you, it's within you. When you got saved, he gave you all things that pertain to life and godliness, right? He blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly, in heavenly places in Christ. We, we have all, we've been given all of it. Satan does not want you to know this. He wants you to try to feel like you've got to earn it. If I was just good enough, no. Your inheritance is not about you. It's about, it's about Jesus who died to bring it to you, right? The Bible is real clear, though, that the only way that we can take possession of the inheritance that we have already been given, the only way is through faith, which comes by hearing God's word, right? It is a time. It's a time in the body of Christ that we must lay hold of what God has given us. The world needs to see this, right? So go to Romans chapter 4. We, we jumped off here last week. We're going to jump off here again. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. And I want to take you through a few of the scriptures, just kind of a condensed review about your inheritance. Not what we think, not my opinion, but what does the Bible say? It says in Romans 4.13, it says, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So in other words, the, 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 literally the inheritance that Abraham and his seed now we're going to learn later that his seed, it's a singular word, and the reason why is because Abraham's seed, it's defined, it's Jesus. And we're also going to see that, so it's talking about Abraham and Jesus, and it includes us because we're in Christ, we're joint heirs with Christ, and us, Abraham, Jesus, and all of us are heirs of the world. The world. 
Now, right there makes you realize you're not going to grasp this with your intellectual mind. You have to gain revelation, which only comes as you pursue and meditate on this word, and so the Holy Spirit can open it up in your spirit so you can see it. And it comes to us through the righteousness of faith. Remember, how were you made righteous as a child of God? Through faith. You simply had to believe what the Bible said. We could have never been made right the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. As 2 Corinthians tells us, we couldn't have done that by our own merit, by being good enough. No, we fall way short. It doesn't come to us through the law. The Old Testament law, all these laws and ordinances, 613 of them, they were not meant to be kept. They were meant to show you that there's no way you can keep them. That you need help. You need a savior, right? So now, now let's, let's build this now. Galatians chapter 3, in verse 16, it, it, it explains this seed thing. I didn't just make that up about the seed being Jesus, right? It says in Galatians 3, 16, now to Abraham... And his seed, again singular, were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. That's why we know in Romans 4.13, when it says seed, he's talking about Jesus. So then now you're, in, you're at verse 16, jump back here and go to verse 7. Verses 7 through verse 9 say this, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, what does that mean? I was saved by grace through faith. Right? I, I, how do you get saved? The Bible's real clear. You have to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And then you have to release your faith by saying, Jesus not only do I believe that your father raised you from the dead, but right now I'm proclaiming with my, with my mouth what I believe in my heart, that you are Lord of all, and now I'm inviting you to be my Lord. And when, when a person does that, that simple prayer, when they pray that in faith, what they have just done, the grace of God, God provided salvation, and they just laid hold of it through faith. And 2 Corinthians 5 says, verse 21, that he was made to bear all of our sin in his body on that tree, right? Why? So that we could be made, different word in the Greek, so that we could come to be the very righteousness of Almighty God. So we, this is what, that's why we're of faith. We were born again of faith. I was made righteous by simply believing that what God said to me was true. So it says here, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So you and I are the true children of Abraham. If you said that to an Orthodox Jew right now, you might get slapped. Because they don't believe that Gentiles are that. But the Bible says that we are. Right? Because we've been made... It says the, uh, one is not a Jew who's one outwardly, one is a Jew who's one inwardly. We've been changed, right? It says, and the scripture, verse 8, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, that heathen, just in case you're all holier than thou tonight, that heathen part, that's us, okay? I was a heathen, I'm so thankful I'm not one anymore, but I'm not one, not because I'm so good. I'm, one, I'm not one because of what Jesus did for me, right? So that's why when I run into somebody who's acting like a heathen, I don't judge them. I pray for them, right? Because I was one of those guys. I understand it. And I had no way out of that deal unless I realized that Jesus bought my way out, right? That God would justify the heathen through faith, Breach, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying this, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then, verse 9, 
they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. He was made the heir of the world and we are blessed with him. Therefore, we are heirs of the world. Right? That's, that's amazing. Well, it gets better. But, but why are we blessed? Because you are of faith. That's why we're blessed. So now Galatians chapter 3, let's jump to verse 13. It says, Christ hath, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's talking about the curse that came upon man as a result of breaking God's law. Did God bring the curse? Nope, he doesn't have a curse. The curse was in the earth. It came in the earth when Adam and Eve sinned. The Bible says in the Garden of Eden, when Adam sinned, sin came into this earth realm and death came into it by sin, and now we got all these problems. But I got to tell you, Jesus got it all back. So Christ hath, why hath? Past tense. In about A.D. 30, when he hung on a cross, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. We know that if you study the curse out in Deuteronomy, it, it deals with spiritual death. He redeemed us from spiritual death. He gave us his life. He redeemed us from poverty and lack. He redeemed us from sickness and disease and pain. We are redeemed from these things. Well, why do we have this still in the body of Christ? Because we got to teach on it so that we can walk free from this stuff. Because Satan does not work legally. He does not play by the rules unless you, with the authority in the name of Jesus, make him. And if he's attacked your physical body, you need to realize, yes, the Bible is very clear. He's provided healing from you. He redeemed you. What does the word redeem mean? He paid a ransom. What was the ransom? His very life. We were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. To be redeemed means you were purchased. A ransom was paid. You were purchased out of the delegated influence of darkness, and you were, per and you were put in to the kingdom of God. You became his child. To be redeemed, not only is you're bought out of something, but you're placed in something. Okay? So we're redeemed from the curse of the law. How did he do that? Being made a curse for us. And now Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, as he penned this, Paul was a Pharisee. He could quote the whole Old Testament in Hebrew, even though the Hebrew language had kind of been lost. He still spoke Hebrew. Jesus, when he would quote scriptures, he would, he would quote uh, the Septuagint. When Paul did it, he quoted the Hebrew scriptures. He's quoting Deuteronomy 21, 23. It says, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So now we know when we were redeemed, on the tree. When he was on the tree, guess what? Romans chapter 8 says, all of my sin was condemned once and for all in his body on that tree. We're going to see some things about this other, but he redeemed us. This letter, Galatians, was written to Gentiles. So we are redeemed, I said last week, from the entire curse of the law. Spirit, soul, and body through his atonement. Through his death, burial, and resurrection. And we said this last week, this covenant does not belong to the Jews. It belongs to the church. Amen. Right? It belongs to the church. Man, I'm telling you, think about us. We should be lights in this world, loving the unlovable, everybody, accepting everybody and loving them. We don't accept their behavior, but we love them. We understand we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. People are never our problem. There's something behind it, right? So we're able to walk in love. We walk in the strength of God. We walk by, the, by yielding to the love of God. We walk fearless by the faith of God. 
We, we are to walk in the strength of God and be led by the Spirit of God. All because of what Jesus did for us. Galatians chapter 3 now, verse 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I love the way it says that. We might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You were saved and you received the promise of the Spirit. How? Through faith. You will receive all the blessings of God and lay hold of every part of your inheritance through faith. It just doesn't happen automatically. If it did, there wouldn't be one sick Christian. There wouldn't be one, there would we, there'd be none of us that would be in debt, right? There'd be no, nobody fighting depression, anxiety, all this stuff. There'd be no fear, right? But we understand that although we are a spirit and we've been made brand new, we possess a soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, which is the control center of our life. Satan knows this. We know this if you've studied the word at all. And we live in a physical body, which is not redeemed yet. It still has that old nature. Someday we'll get a glorified body, but we don't have it. It's subject to sickness and disease. So come Satan will try to attack your body. And you got to know, if he attacks your body, you got to know how to lay hold of healing. And then you got to keep feeding and learn how to walk in divine health. Right? You don't beat yourself up for these things. But how do we do this? We realize we get all this stuff together, guys. We need each other. If you study corporate leadership, you know, being in the corporate world and just dealing with leadership, there's really always three levels. First of all, there's dependence, right? It's where I'm completely dependent on somebody else. But the goal is to move that person to where they could operate independently. See, when you come in and get born again, you're completely dependent, right? You, you, you need to be taught the word of God, helped, you're going to make mistakes. You need people to go, it's okay, don't worry about that. Listen, I messed up too, and this is what God's done for me. You, in this environment, but then you grow to where now I know how to walk by faith by myself. But see, you don't stop there. Because the, the, the level that, we're all, that we all need to get to is interdependence. And a lot of Christians don't realize that but nobody in this book, there's no record of anybody going into the promised land, children of Israel, obtaining their inheritance alone. They all went in with their company. And we operate as a company. We need each other. We lay hold of things together. So interdependence, it's the highest level. So, so the Rambo thing is not, that doesn't really work. It works in Hollywood, but it doesn't really work in real life. Amen. We need each other. So let's keep going. We receive all these promises through faith. So we've been separated from the curse and separated to the blessing. Amen. Right? He did something inside of us so that he could put something on us, the blessing of Abraham. He had to make you and I new to put the blessing of Abraham upon us. So now let's jump down to Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. In verse 27 through verse 29, it says this. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. As many as been, have been immersed into Christ. This is not talking about water baptism. The context of this whole thing is not talking about water baptism. It's talking about being baptized into Christ. Is talking about literally being immersed into him, being born again. So you put on Christ. And in, where we are, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Greek was everyone who's not a Jew. There is neither bond nor free in Christ. 
There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed, and you are heirs according to the promise. You have an inheritance. Do you see that? Not going to get, you have it. All the money you'll ever need, you already have. It's just, it's, it's, it's not in this realm, right? This is, this is why, what do you do? See, I can pull money into this realm. Does that mean if I believe God all of a sudden, wow, I'll go home tonight and money will start falling from heaven? No, 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 no. God will bring it to you through the world system, right? He'll bless you at your work. He'll give you ideas for new income streams. People might just give you money. It doesn't matter how it comes, but he'll, he, he's already provided for you. But you gotta, it does you no good in the spirit realm, right? Try, go try to buy a car and tell that person, well, you know, I'm just going to write a faith check for it because I've got all that money in the spirit realm. Great. Yeah, right? Well, no, it's you if you did that because in a very, if they were stupid enough to give you a car, we're going to see a tow truck out here, right? What's going on? Man, they're taking their car back, right? No, it does you no good. Do you know all the healing that you'll ever need has already been provided? How do you get it from the unseen realm to the seen realm? How you get it there is through faith. You, and we've, we've talked a lot about that. So now let's jump over to Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. Look at what this says. Colossians 3, 3, it says, For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Talking about when you got born again, the literal translation, because some of these words are in the Greek middle tense, some are in the aorist tense, here is, here is the literal rendering of this verse. For you died, and your Zoe life has been hid together with Christ in God. That's where we get the term, in Christ. So now we're ready for Romans chapter 4, verse 16. So put verse 13 up there first, and we're going to read that. And then I'm going to read, jump down to verse 16. Verse 13 says this of Romans chapter 4, For the promise that we should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness which is of faith. Verse 16, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. We receive our inheritance through faith. We receive all the promises of God through faith. And faith only comes by hearing God's word. It doesn't come by listening to God's word. It doesn't come by reading God's word. You must, you must hear it. And to hear it, you have to say it over and over and over and over. We call that meditating in the word of God because the Holy Spirit, who's the agent of divine revelation, has to open the word of God on the inside of you. He's the only one that can open it and the entrance or the opening of his word, it gives light. It gives understanding to the simple, right? And that's why his word, because light comes out of the word, right on the inside of you. It's a lamp to your feet. It's a light to your path. The word of God, as we're going to see, is what produces everything. What produces Healing in the seen realm, the word of God does. 
How does, how does all this stuff come to us? It comes to us through faith. Through faith. But in order to have faith, you've got to hear the word. A Christian is to be hearing the word constantly. Because to walk by faith, you meditate in the word of God, and he opens the word to your spirit. And then all of a sudden, your spirit's like, wow. You, all of a sudden, it's like the words jump off the page. Your spirit translates that knowledge into a thought and communicates that to your mind. Because God does not ever speak to your mind. He speaks to your spirit. All right, we've talked a lot about that, all those scriptures. Satan will talk to your mind all the time. And you talk to yourself a lot. As a matter of fact, you listen to yourself more than you listen to every, anybody else. So you need to hear yourself speaking the word, not speaking all the nonsense. Amen. Right? Because the Bible is very clear, you'll have what you say. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. That word power is the direction of your tongue. Your tongue is your steering wheel. So now in Hebrews 1.1, it says this. Hebrews 1.1 it says, God, who at sundry times, various times, and in diverse or many manners, many ways, in time past, or spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Well, who is his Son? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's John 1, 1, right? 1, 2, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Right? He spoke to us in the last days by His Son. God will speak to you through His Word. And look at this. Whom, look at this, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So Jesus has been appointed by the Father, the heir not just of the world, but of all things. So now we just went, Amen. right? That, that's, that's a lot. What did Jesus inherit? Everything. Everything. Okay? In other words, Jesus is the lawful owner of everything. That's why the word tells you, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which belong to him. He's the lawful owner of everything. Now, let's jump into some new stuff. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Don't you love it? It's 8.03, and I just got through the saying what I said last week. Didn't it seem new, though? Yeah, yeah. If you're sitting there going, well, no, I just kind of heard that again. It was kind of boring. Okay. We just know where you are, right? Right? Have you ever met somebody that wants to tell you how spiritual they are? Do you know one thing a spiritually mature Christian will never say? is, man, I'm spiritually mature. Because <laughs> a spiritually mature Christian is up to here with the areas that they want to grow in, right? Well, I know that. Do you know that a person who really walks in a pretty good revelation of God's word, one thing you'll never hear them say is, oh, wow, yeah, I know that. Because <laughs> they realize, man, we're scratching the surface on all this. There's so much more that we haven't even seen yet, right? Anyway, I'll just move on here. So the Spirit himself, I'm going to say the Greek word, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Verse 17, the first half of the verse. And if children, get ready to shout, then heirs. Amen. If we're children of God, then we're heirs of God. And we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Well, what did Jesus inherit? 
all things. Guess what you? He's the lawful owner of everything, and so are you, according to the word of God. I'm telling you, that will get more and more thrilling as you'll take the time and meditate on that. All of a sudden, that mortgage that you have, 30 years will sound stupid to you. Why should I pay 30 years on something that I already own this? And then all of a sudden, even 15 years will start sounding crazy to you. Right? All of a sudden, a lot of stuff will start sounding crazy. See, heir of all things, that's, that's an amazing fact. So I am in Christ, therefore I get everything Jesus got. Now realize if you're breaking this scripture down, this, the, the word of God is put in the chapter and verse so we could study it. But Romans 8, 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, that's kind of coming to the end of one thought and now he's going to start talking about another thought. And I, I wish I didn't have to take the time, but there's so much crazy doctrine about how that we're to suffer. Well, you know, I've got pancreatic cancer, and it's just, I'm just suffering. This is, I'm suffering with Jesus. He's, he's using this to teach me something. No, 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 no. No, that's not what this is talking about. So we got to take some time tonight and talk about this. Verse, the, the rest of that verse, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So let's look at this. See, Satan will tell you that you can't have your inheritance because you didn't suffer yet or you didn't suffer enough yet. Okay? If you had a relative die, would you have to work for their inheritance? No. No, no. You, you don't work to obtain your inheritance. Jesus did it. Okay? Jesus did everything. So don't put the pressure on you getting healed on you or, or, or you walking in prosperity. Don't put that pressure on you because faith is a rest. You're resting in the finished work of Christ. So let's look at this, the full spectrum of suffering, okay? So suffering. Did Jesus suffer in his redemptive work? Yes. Okay, so let's look at this. We are to suffer with him in his redemptive work. And let, let, let me show you how that works. 1 Peter 1.3, we're just going to talk about suffering a little bit here. So glad you came tonight, aren't you? No, you will be. It says in 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us. We were born again because of his abundant mercy. Unto he begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What is this saying to us? Your inheritance has nothing to do with suffering. Okay? We were born again, that's when we obtained our inheritance, through because of his abundant mercy. God sent Jesus to die for our sins, and he was resurrected for our justification. Verse 4, to an inheritance, well, let me, this is so good, i got to read verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is in corruptible. In the Greek, it would mean it's an inheritance that cannot be destroyed. You can't destroy your inheritance. You're to an inheritance undefiled. 
That means your inheritance cannot be contaminated. You can't contaminate your inheritance. Wow. Here's another one. To an inheritance that fadeth not away. That means, this Greek word means it doesn't get old, it doesn't run out, and it never comes to an end. That's your inheritance. You can't destroy it, you can't contaminate it, and it never ends. In other words, there is nothing that you can do on this earth to ruin your inheritance. And everybody who's ever made a mistake says, praise the Lord, right? His mercy endures forever. And remember now, you appropriate your inheritance through faith. If you don't appropriate your inheritance through faith, guess what? It won't go away. When you get to heaven, you're going to be like, wow, could I have really used that? Right? There's my car, yeah. There, there, there's my knee. There's my liver. There's my new kidney. Oh, man, I, there's my heart. I didn't have to come home early. Right? There's my brain. There's, the, there's my brain. I fried the one. I had another one in heaven. And it's still right there. The Bible says in the ages to come, God's going to show us the incredible, the, just the magnitude of his grace. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to be like, okay, Pastor Mike, come with me. Angel, open this. And, and Mike's going to be like, I have never seen a warehouse so big in my life. And he opens it up and it's like there is, you're looking at it going, that, that's everything I needed while I was down. And then we're just going to be like, wow. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Those times when I was on the earth wondering why, why is this happening to me all the time, it, it was right there. And the Holy Spirit was down on the inside of me going, just don't believe what you're seeing. Don't believe what they're saying. Believe my word because it's yours. Amen? Amen. Wow. Let's jump to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. Oh, this series is going to get even better than this. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through verse 13. He says this, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. I really wish it would have said that may, may try you. No, 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 fiery trials, we're going to have those. That's not sickness and disease. That is not poverty and lack. That's not any of that stuff that Jesus died for on the cross. This is just the fiery trial. They hated me, Jesus said, they're going to hate you. In this life, you're going to have pressure come against you. Right, you're going to have trials. You're going to have people tell you, listen, you can't say this. Or you, I mean, they might even try to tell you, you can't have church. Whatever it is, that's why we pray. We get full of the word. We have the authority. Don't let, don't let somebody steal our, our freedom from us. Right? Let's get God involved here. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But don't we think that? We're tempted to think that. Why is this happening to me? I know eight people that their lifestyle is not as good as mine. And they just, it's just great for them. Right? They're getting away with it. Why? What, what's going on? No, don't, don't do that. Instead of, thinking it's strange, saying, why does it happen to me, right? Here's, here's, don't read the book, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People. Read the book, but rejoice. Read the rejoice book. Because the word of God's saying, don't think it's strange, but rejoice. In so much as you are partakers 
It's the Greek word koino nino. I know I'm not saying that right. Whatever. It literally means, this Greek word means to be associated in, to become a sharer in, to come into communion or fellowship with, to be made a partner. But rejoice as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. I take, I'm a partner in his sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Do you know this is a parallel scripture to Romans 8, 17, the last half? You are associated in Christ's sufferings. You are a sharer in Christ's sufferings. You have literally come into communion with his sufferings. And, and the majority of the church world is going, okay, well, that's why I'm sick. That's why I'm broke. That's... No, no, no. You're looking at this wrong. Because it got to read the rest of the verse. That when his glory shall be revealed. See, when I share in his suffering, his glory is revealed. Right? That you may be glad with exceeding joy. What does this mean? What does this mean, pastor? I am so glad you came today because we're, I'm going to now tell you what this means. Are you ready? Yes. Repeat this after me. Man, I love my pastor. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do what I, I know you love me. So let's look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 tells us the glory of part of his sufferings. For he, talking about God the Father, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus was made to bear our sins so that we would come to be the righteousness of Almighty God in him. So the glory, his suffering was, he was made to be sin. The glory that is shown that brings me exceeding joy is I got to be born again. I'm, an, I'm a partner in that. I was crucified with him. I was buried with him. I was raised with him, the Bible says. See, do you see that? I'm a partaker. I'm in fellowship with his suffering. His part, he died for my sins. My part, I get to be made his righteousness. Okay? This is rightly dividing the word. Let's look at another one in relation to prosperity. We talked about it earlier. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, this Greek word means wealthy, abounding in material resources. If, if a seminary graduate tells you that it's talking about spiritually rich, yeah, he was, but that's not this Greek word. This is material. Yet for your sakes, he became poor, a beggar, poor, helpless, that you, through his poverty, might be rich. This means to have an abundance of outward possessions. That's what the Greek word means. In other words, Jesus suffered he became poor on that cross. What is the glory of that? So that I could have a more than enough supply in my life in this world. Okay? Isaiah 53, let's look at another one. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. Surely, that means without a doubt, he, talking about Jesus, hath, past tense, where? We're going to see on the cross, bore our griefs. Now we know that's the Hebrew word koli. In every other place in the Old Testament, it is translated sickness and disease. He bore our sickness and disease and carried our sorrows. That's an odd word, right? Because it's the Hebrew word makab. 
Everywhere in the Old Testament, the word macabre is translated physical pain. He bore our sicknesses and diseases, and he carried our pain, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are. This is present tense. This is all-inclusive. In the Hebrew language, it's an all-inclusive, continual blessing fulfilled for all men for all time. We are healed, Rapha. One of his redemptive names is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth you. Talking about physical healing. It literally means to mend, to cure, to become fresh. This Hebrew word describes the process of physical healing. It describes the process of, of a body being restored to health, being made healthy. In Matthew chapter 8, in verse 16 and 17, the Lord knew that people were going to have trouble with this. So he gave us the Holy Spirit's commentary on Isaiah 53, 4. And 5, it says, When evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed how many? All that were sick, that it might be fulfilled. Literally in the Greek, it would read like this, that the fulfilling could begin which was spoken by Isaiah. Well, now wait, pastor. It's Isaiah. That's Isaiah's brother. No, no, no. Isaiah is the, is the Greek rendering of the Hebrew name Isaiah. Right? That which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Alexander McLaren, foremost Old Testament commentator, this said, this verse right here, verse 17, is the most literal translation of Isaiah 53, 4. Wow. Jesus bore, he suffered. He bore our sickness, our disease, and our pain. Why? What is our part? What's the glory part that brings exceeding joy so that we could be healed? That's what this scripture is talking about. Wow. So let me just kind of finish up here with a few scriptures that talk a little more about our inheritance. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I, you know, I hope you're being thrilled by this. This is amazing. This is amazing. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 and 23. Look at, look at what it says. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, all things are yours. Or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. Oh, and you, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Do you see how it's, it's just talking about things? Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. This is kind of nice. Haggai chapter 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Well, if it's his and I'm a, I'm a co-heir, not only can you get out of debt, and, and, and it's a process because you've got to grow in these things. To believe it, because this is literally a message that's unbelievable, right? And that's why we call it the gospel. It's a message that's too good to be true. But we believe it because we have faith. Amen. Look at another one, Psalm 50, verse 10. I'm just doing a couple of them here. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills are God's, God says. So therefore, it's yours too. Right? Psalm 24, 1. Here's a big one. 
the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the fullness thereof, that's like all the stuff in the earth, like gold, silver, oil, diamonds. Do you see how we have to, we have to kind of renew our mind to these things? But, but literally, it starts, by, it starts by learning how to trust God. One of my teachers at Rama, for him it started, Keith Moore, it started with a gallon of gas or with a tank of gas. Because when he went to Bible school, they spent their last money to fill up their tank and they lived in a bad neighborhood and somebody siphoned out all their gas. Right? And then all of a sudden, one of their friends called, their, called them up and said, hey, the Lord just told us you need gas. Coincidence? Right? No? Right? Romans 8, 17, don't ever forget this. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Well, I got to tell you guys, in the last couple weeks, wow, have I thrown out a lot. So I would just say, say la, go home, start meditating on this, and see what the Holy Spirit will start leading you in. Because he wants to lead you into freedom. What is prosperity? It's freedom. Right? I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it makes you happy when somebody blesses you financially. But it never makes you as happy as if you're able to bless somebody financially. Right? I mean, that's just the way these things work, guys. This is big. God wants you well. He wants you provided for. He doesn't want you stressed out and losing sleep over money. He doesn't want you just strucken by fear and anxiety and depression. He has paid a price so that your inheritance, it's yours. And the God of heaven has put his spirit in you. The Bible says so that you could freely know those things that he gave you. And then he's there to help you lay hold of them. Amen?